So you ready? Huh? We're going to be a little bit, uh, um, I thought this one was going to be a little non-controversial, but there's always a chance for you to get offended, so I'm, I'm trying to live up to that, live up to that. Because we're going to be teaching some things today that uh, are going to be a paradigm shift for, for many people. But uh, the church needs to uh, start seeing the world the way that, that God sees the world. And uh, as you know, we're on a series upside down, a kingdom worldview. And Jesus commissioned the ecclesia, the church, to teach and disciple the world in his ways. And in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what Jesus is saying here, you know, we know that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's saying that he has a worldview. He has a way that he believes that the world is to operate. And you know what? If he is the one that created this world and created everything that is in it, I think that the way that he sees the world to operate is probably the best way. Right? But the problem is, is because of the fall, because of the uh, perversion of men's hearts, because of the kingdom of darkness and the influences of the evil one that is in this world, we try to replace God everywhere we can with another God, which when it really comes down to it, it's us. We want to be God. I mean, it can go all the way back to um, primitive type of idea that I'm going to carve an idol with my own hands and put that up and worship it as God. So really, who are you worshiping? You're worshiping yourself because you're the one that made that God. And nowadays, we just, it, 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 we, we, we just say that there is no God. There is nothing but self. And it's created the world that we're living in. And it, I think it's so amazing that those that that um, hate God, don't want nothing to do with God, maybe even reject the idea that there is a God, will turn around and blame all the atrocities and in in the perversion in the world that we're living in, the heartache and, and deception, they'll blame it on God. In Colossians, it talks about, Paul talks about this, this dual um, belief system of philosophies of life. And he says in verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. So someone wants to cheat you. What are they, what are they trying to cheat you out of? The truth. The, the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give us. The life that God intended for us. They're trying to cheat you out of it through philosophy. Now, I, I just, what's a philosophy? It's, it's very simple. It's a, way you, it's a way, it's a belief system about life. A philosopher is someone that has a system of beliefs about life. And all of you guys are philosophers. All of you have a belief system about life. The question is, is that belief system, has it, has it, has it, has it, have you received that belief system through God or have you received that 
belief system through the world and your circumstances. He says, don't let anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit according to the tradition of men, to basic principles of the world, not according to Christ. Today, we're going to be looking at another kingdom world view. And it's the kingdom worldview, how we should see business. Business. And you might not think that this is that important. You're thinking, well, I don't have a business. But business affects you every single day. Business affects the world every single day. I, I, I'm willing to say that business is one of the greatest um, molders of society in the world, in existence. It's inter- and it, what's interesting about this is that the leaders that Jesus chose to start the original ecclesia, the church, you ever think about this? The leaders that Jesus chose to start the church were not religious leaders. but were very successful business people and strong leaders in the secular community. Do you, do you, do you understand this? That when in, Jew, in Jewish culture, all Jewish boys went to the synagogue or the temple and were taught and memorized the Old Testament. Actually, the law. And then the, the cream of the crop, the cream of the crop would go on to, 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 to memorize the Psalms and prophets and, and the rest of, of the, the Bible. But the ones that weren't the cream of the crop, crop, they just learned the law, they would be sent home, they would be, say, they would be sent home and said to, to, to learn the family business. But the cream of the crop would go on to learn to, in further study. And, and in further study, when they got to the end of that, they were either made ra- rabbis and teachers of the, of the law and the prophets, or, and that was the cream, the cr- very top of the class, would go on to be given a rabbi to study under. And the others would say, go home and learn your father's business. So it's interesting that when Jesus is walking among the Sea of Galilee and he comes up to some fishermen as a rabbi. So what's that mean? That means that Jesus was the cream of the crop and became a rabbi himself, a teacher. And he finds Peter, James, and John. And he says, come and follow me. Do you know what Jesus is saying? That religion didn't deem you worthy to be the cream of the crop. But come follow me. Because I deem you worthy. Jesus didn't go to religious seminaries. Jesus didn't go to the temples or the synagogues to find leaders that would be key in Jesus' world-changing movement. 
They were not religious leaders, priests, or rabbis that he went to. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? Do you know that the Gospels that we cherish, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were all written not by religious leaders, but, but marketplace leaders? I mean, church history tells us that Matthew was, had, 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 had a tax collector business, right? Mark was a manager, according to um, church history, of a family business, and he was a trust fund baby. Luke had a medical practice. John owned a commercial fishing company, as so did Peter. Even Saul, who became Paul, was a commercial tent maker. Even the key women in the New Testament that were highlighted as playing a major role in the early church were business leaders. Dorcas was a clothing designer. Priscilla had a commercial tent manufacturing business. Lydia owned a textile broker brokerage company. We don't think about these things. The men and women that built the early church were actually in the field of building businesses. So seeing these facts, we need to ask ourselves, does the body of Christ today see business the same way that Jesus and the early church did? Question. Why is it that it seems more noble or spiritual to build a church than it does a Christian business? Why is it that the church and religious parents aren't telling their kids that one of the best things that they can do to build a better world is to build a highly effective business? Why is it that... The pursuit of profit is seen by many religious people as somehow being unholy or second-class pursuit compared to being a missionary or working in a ministry of a church. Why is it that pastors are celebrating the food, food, clothing, and shelter or education their churches provided to the needy in their community? But at the same time, they're not celebrating the business leaders who also provide food, clothing, shelter, education through the income they provide, their employees, taxes paid, and the goods and services they produce. I was having a conversation. I'm sure Paul don't mind me mentioning his name. But he was talking about an organization that was giving out bags of groceries, giving out bags of groceries to the needy, and, and, and someone came up to him and said, this was our best weekend ever. We gave out, I can't remember the number, like 120 bags of groceries. And the wise man that Paul was, he says, that's not good. If you would have came up to me and told me you gave out five bags of groceries, then that's something to celebrate. Tell me our religious minds are not perverted. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because you're kind of looking at me like deer in the headlights. The less groceries you give out, the less poverty there is.
Yep, we're just going to be fun. <laughs> so could the answers to these questions be the reason that the church is not more effective at accomplishing its original mandate to transforming cities and nations? Is this why the church is only known for its programs that it offers on the weekends rather than being an influence on society throughout the week? Could this be the reason that the church plays no role in improving economies and really providing for people's long-term tangible needs? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven, that's what we're talking about, right? That's what this series is on, is a kingdom worldview. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. This is the parable of the talents. You can go home and read it. Jesus gave talents to all of his servants. And talents, as you know, the church likes to make you think that it's... it's um, um, things that you're good at, but it's not. That's, it, it literally means money. He gave money to his servants. And Jesus said that the kingdom is like a man who gives goods to his servants and expects them to create profit, increase. And those that don't are said to be lazy and unprofitable. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. Look at what Luke says in Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. They wanted to make Jesus king. But what they didn't understand is that Jesus had a lot bigger kingdom than he was after than just the kingdom of Israel. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. Again, Jesus is telling a parable about how the kingdom operates and how it's supposed to operate. And he says he gave wages to ten people and said, do business until I return. Here again, the parable of the minus, we see that we are commanded to do business till Jesus returns and that we are held accountable for what we do with the things our king has given us. That we are expected to have increase in profit. Do you know as far back as we can go in archaeology, in human history, there are two things that were always fundamental in building of great societies. There were two things that are fundamental in all great societies. The first one was the family. The second was unhindered commerce. We are living in a time where there are those in our culture who would do whatever it takes to destroy both. There is a great assault on the family unit made up of a father, mother, and children, and also an assault on what 
is left of our somewhat free market. Building stronger families is key to building a be better societies. And building better business is vital to building a better world. At the heart of building a world is the, is, is the constructing businesses that make families, communities, societies, and nations prosper. Tell me if you've ever heard a, a message like this in the church. Strong businesses with a kingdom worldview can be the most effective platform for building a better world. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yield plentiful. And he, and he thought within himself, saying, I just love this, this. Jesus, this is so true. This is you. This is me. Something happens in our life, and what do we do? We think amongst ourselves. We thought within ourselves. We start talking to ourselves. He's, he's, saying, he's saying, he thought within himself, what shall I do? See, there, 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 there's no kingdom worldview there. There's no understanding you have a king. There's no understanding that there's a, there's a mandate. There's no understanding that you are in partnership with God. And he says, what shall I do? I, I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store up my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God. But God said to him, fool. So, what it, so right now, if that's your mindset, if that's your mindset of what life is all about, God is calling you a fool. If your mindset about life is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can, God says that you are a fool. <laughs> but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those th things be which you pro have provided? So, he said, so, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. See, people do not understand what riches are for. See, God has no issue with profit. God has no issue with you having a surplus, right? Because he had a surplus. His barns were full. God had no problem with that. But he does have issue when you trust in your riches and become self-centered and not kingdom-centered. Where your business becomes nothing more than a tool to lay up treasure for yourself and is not a tool to affect the world for good. In James chapter 4, verse 13, James puts it this way. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city. Spend the year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. 
Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And if if you have a kingdom business, you have to understand that your CEO is Jesus Christ. And you do exactly what he tells you to do. The same way that you would expect your pastor to be. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. What's he saying? He's saying God blesses us to enjoy life. Right? But don't get haughty, don't trust in the riches. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. And eternal life, what he's talking about there, he's not just talking about going to heaven one day. He's not talking about doing good works so that you can go to heaven. We go to heaven Heaven lives within us and the kingdom's within us and we have everlasting life because of grace and and what Jesus Christ has done for us. What he's talking about here is when you have a kingdom worldview with your your riches, with your business, when you understand God's way of doing things, you create eternal life. You create the life that God intended for this world to be living in. I read a... A book, I read, read a book about um, different levels of kingdom, kingdom businesses. And a lot of people don't think of, think of businesses as something that is blessing society. Well, have a small town and have the largest employer go out of business and move out of town. You tell me how important and what a blessing businesses are to a community and to a society. Instead, we demonize businesses. So the first level, if you're a kingdom, let me get a, I'm a little parched. They say that it's not very uh, polite to drink while you're speaking, but Not polite. So, anyways, level one. Now, level one to provide is providing value. This is the basic level. If you have a business, you are providing um, value. A business plays a vital role in meeting people's needs and thereby building a better world. A business owner is not only provides a product or service that society needs, but they create the resources that put food on tables, roof over heads, and kids in school. Do you understand that? Do you, do you understand that the only reason a business can st- stay in business, the only reason a business exists is because it's providing a service to the community. 
If they weren't providing a service to the community, they couldn't stay open. Unless somehow they're being subsidized by some big government thing. So, sorry. That was... If you are a business owner, you are creating a better world. And some of you aren't business owners here. So you're thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me. Your employer is a business owner. He is, prov- he is creating a better world. Your suppliers, if you're a business owner, are blessed because you are buying from them. Your customers are, are better off because of what you do for them. Your employees you pay have income to live their lives and support their families. The taxes your business generates make society work. Funds roads and schools. You, you, you fund the first responders and make our community safer, along with providing for many other public services and facilities. You are not just a business owner. You are building a better world right here in our own communities. Level two. Level two is building beyond your business. Intentionally create value for others beyond the fundamental value of doing good business. See, the first one was just doing good business is blessing people by itself. But now you're, you, you, are, you are having a prosperous business and you can go beyond just that fundamental value. value. This is when a company begins to succeed at level one and le- uh, leaders get to decide what to do with that success. You can build bigger barns. Or you can choose to build a better world. You can increase salaries or increase the positive impact of your company has on culture or its customers. You can decide to invest extra profits into customer service or lowering your prices. Of course, you understand that businesses have to be profitable. They not only have to be profitable, but they have to be profitable to the point that they sustain growth, right? See, if you never had a business, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Businesses have to be profitable. If you're going to have, if you're going to have a kingdom business, your company exists to make the world better for people. Do you understand that? People don't exist to make your company better. You understand that? See, pastors do this too. The church is to make the world better, but pastors think that people are to make the church better. And they use people. They see them as something to be used rather than one to lock arms with and to invest in to create a better society, better communities. So if you're a kingdom business owner, you got to understand that. you got to understand that, that your business exists to make better people, not people exist to make a better business. If you're going to be a kingdom 
business, the business is not your purpose. Your business is not your purpose. Your business is a platform to build a better world, and that is your purpose. Truthfully, business owners really should start seeing themselves as pastors if you're a kingdom business. You're pastoring your employees. You're pastoring pastoring everyone that comes in your life, your suppliers, your customers. You're building a better world through your business. That's your purpose. If you want to have a kingdom business. Then there's level three. This is when things get exciting. Level three is rebuilding the world. When your business becomes a powerful platform to transform society. You can't tell me. There's a war of businesses. Chick-fil-A. Or Target. Or Starbucks. They're both trying to build a society. Hobby Lobby. Or Nike. They're both trying to create a worldview. They're both trying to change society. This is when you see real power of business, that the real power of business is more than creating valuable products and services. It's even more than going the extra mile to benefit humanity. For followers of Jesus, their business becomes a powerful platform to infuse the values of Jesus in the earth. I mean, just think of things that have have happened like fair trade coffee. Fair trade coffee, where they're paying the farmers, coffee farmers, living wages. Think of Chick-fil-A that represent the kingdom and the importance of having a Sabbath day rest. That stand up for Christian principles and create a better world. It's interesting that you can go to any Chick-fil-A when they're open and you have to wait in line for a chicken sandwich and lemonade and waffle fries. (laughs) Hobby Lobby, the same way. We discussed this a couple weeks weeks ago. How Hobby Lobby, um, I believe I believe the starting wage it's a retail store is fourteen bucks an hour for full time employees. With with benefits. And then they're they're off on Sunday too. Who can who can do that? See, right now you're sitting, Chad. I cannot. I understand what you're saying. I understand that we have to follow the principles of Jesus in my business. I understand that there's things that Jesus wants me to do, but you don't understand. I can't do that. I won't succeed. I can't. My business will go under. I can't. I don't have time. You're going to say all these things. Chick fil A, Hobby Lobby. 
closed on the weekend. See, do you think those thoughts didn't come up in their mind? People were saying, you can't do that. You can't be closed. You, you, you can't have the restaurants within a stadium and be profitable and be closed on Sunday when most of the football games happen. You know what they said? Watch my God. Don't believe the lie. Your CEO is not you. It's Jesus. Think of Tom's shoes. I don't, I don't know the, even the background on Tom's shoes. I don't know who the guy, I think he went to Harvard or something like that. But I don't know if he's a believer. But he's seen third world countries and people not having shoes. And I think he was in South America and he's seen these canvas shoes in South America and he brought those shoes back to the United States, made them, started making them, and then for every shoe he sold, he gave a, shoe, a pair of shoes away. But the problem was, if you, if you, if you look at the, the whole thing on, on this, is then he found out that he was hurting the cobblers in third world countries, the shoe manufacturers in third world countries. Because he was giving so many shoes away. So what he did is he started partnering with these shoe manufacturers in third world countries to make his shoes. Tell me that's not awesome. Tell me that's not, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he's got kingdom principles behind him. He's got kingdom principles. That's awesome. Business can become an elaborate front to build the kingdom culture and values of a God that is good. To build the kingdom principles of a God that loves this world. See, the church has to change its, its, the way that it does things. Teach to fish. Question, if you gave a homeless person $100, how long would that last? So you, you, but you feel good about it. I feel good about giving that person $100. Let's, 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 let's go $5,000. You give a homeless person $5,000. Did you create sustainable blessing to that person? You do not. But what if you were able to give that person a job that, produ that, that produces $50 a day? We went to Forgotten Man's Ministry, and I had a conversation with a gentleman that went through that program, and, um, and he is now you know, successful. He's on fire for God, all of these things. And he just reconfirmed what I believe is the, is the biggest problem with that with prison ministries he says we got to find a way 
to employ people that come out of the jail system so that they can so that they can provide a life for themselves. Hmm. Tell me, the church, is, the church is failing. I'm not saying forgotten man's ministry is failing. They're doing their part. They're reaching the lost in the prison system. But we, the church, are not prepared for these new converts that are on fire for Jesus, that's wanting to radically transform their life and make an impact on the world. We, we have nothing for them. What if churches came up with creative ways for them to partner with businesses to facilitate a joint effort that helps both the church and business, business, business owners to, to be more effective in meeting the needs of society? See, a lot of people, you know, a lot of, I mean, I've heard... there's. There's pastors that get down on business owners because they can't make it to Wednesday night church because they're working. Pastors, we, we got to change the way that we think. They're not working. They're ministering. They're reaching people that that pastor will never reach. They're blessing people in a way that most pastors will never bless someone. That's a ministry. If you have a kingdom business, it is a ministry unto the Lord. You're building a better world. You're building a better societies. And we got to find a way. And I don't have all the answers. That's why you're here. Some of us, I mean, there's, no, there's like people a lot smarter than me here. What can we do? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Isn't that true? How many people that you've seen and read about that they got all the money they could possibly ever want, but their life's a wreck? Now, understand something. This is where we're going to probably get people. We, the church needs to see money totally different. We need to see church, the money totally different. Money is not evil. Money is, say that with me. Money is not evil. The love of money is. When that becomes your purpose, your worldview, the reason you exist. Money is not evil. Actually, Jewish people actually believed that the wealthiest person in the community was the greatest servant. Do you know how they had different seats, you know, uh, uh, seats of, of prestige at banquets and stuff like that? Those were always reserved for the wealthiest people in the community. Do you want to know why they were reserved for the wealthiest people in the community? Not because they were wealthy but because they've seen that the reason they're wealthy is because they serve the community the best. You don't understand what I'm saying. You'll, you'll understand before we get done here. Steve Jobs of Apple. He's passed away, but he is a very, very wealthy man. He created 
a phone that he thought the world would want to use. That would bless the... It's a blessing. In my job of sales, I remember having to have a pager and a calling card and going to a phone booth and calling people back. Before I had my emails on my phone, I remember having to go home and work at night answering hundreds of emails. Steve Jobs has immensely blessed me. I have more time with my family because of Steve Jobs. On top of all the apps that he's allowed people to create, that people have become multimillionaires from flinging a little bird through the air and knocking down buildings. Or whatever game you play. Bill Gates, Microsoft, he created what is now called Silicon Valley. He created the means for California to become a state that's richer than most countries. See, we've been taught a lie. Bill Gates is a huge servant to society. But because he became rich from serving, we demonize him. So now, so just so people will like him, he, he's starting to do philanthropy and give his money away. I'm here to tell you, Bill Gates could give every single dime he's ever made away, and he still would not have blessed the world the way he did by creating Microsoft. And if you're a business owner, you understand. When you have Word, you have, Mic you have, you have uh, Excel to, to run your, your business and your reports and all of these things. PowerPoint, thank God. We're using that this morning. He could give it all away, and he still wouldn't create as much revenue as he did by creating the PC, the personal computer. Jeff Bezos, Bezos, the CEO of Amazon. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's the new one we like to demonize. Because he's one of the richest men in the world. No one deserves that much riches. Do you know why he's rich? Because he served us. There's not one of you, well, there might be one that hasn't used Amazon. It is such a blessing. I can order something, and I can have it in two days. And now they're getting one day. They, they created a platform for small businesses to reach the world. He has blessed society. Think of money like this. This is how we need to start thinking about money. That a dollar bill represents a certificate. Or it represents, let's say, 
a badge or a medal. Right? So if money represented a certificate or a badge or some type of medal, and what, it, and what happens is, is you get this trophy, you get this badge, you get this certificate every time you serve somebody. Every time you meet someone's need, every time you, 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 you serve humanity with, with the, the way that you live your life, they turn around and say, you served me, so here's your medal. Here's your certificate. Here's your badge. So if money represents proof that you have served someone, and if you have no money, what does that mean? I'm sorry. It means you're not a servant of society. People often view making a lot of money as a sign of greed and spending money as a curse to avoid. Sounds very biblical, doesn't it? Religion view spending as a curse because they feel they are losing something or they worry about looking materialistic. Materialistic, being a materialistic has nothing to do with having things. It has to do with things having you. So we, 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 we try to avoid looking materialistic. We, we try, you know, even pastors, I got to be honest, I, when I go to think about buying a car, I got to think about what you think about me. Ain't that a shame? <laughs> Yet in the kingdom mindset, spending is a blessing. You're blessing the world when you spend. You're blessing the world because you are paying for a product or service that adds value in some way to someone else to bless the world. Do you understand that? You're giving out certificates. You're serving me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is a, this, I told you this is a paradigm shift. This is a totally different way of thinking. Do you feel like your blessings? Me and Amanda, we had a little holiday for my birthday. And we were down and we went to this little boutique. Um, got this nice tie in that boutique. And... And the people were serving us so much in there that I turned to a man and I said, we got to buy something. We did. We, we got to buy something. We bought a couple of things. But <laughs> I wanted to give them a certificate. I wanted to give them a medal. Do you know why? Well, let's say this first. One of the things so great about the free market economy, do you know, what, do you know why free markets are so good? It's because it's up to you what, who gets the certificate and who doesn't. You get to choose. 
how the society is built. And what's so great about a free market economy is that it is a system where money is earned by serving people well enough to make them happy with what you provide. You understand that? Unless you're forced to buy a product, that doesn't make you happy. Hmm. Do you know why? I'll just use myself as an example. Do you know why I don't have as much money as Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos? Because I haven't provided as much value to as many people as they have. Do you understand this? This doesn't mean that the service you provide is holy or moral. A prostitute provides a service, and she gets a certificate. A drug dealer to, 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 a, to a, his, his user provides a service, and he gets a certificate. Right? Politicians, right? They provide a service to uh, the, uh, oh, I can't think of it, the, uh, the lobbyists, right? And politicians, in turn, get certificates. I, it just blows my mind how, you know, we, we say, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't go there. But it blows my mind how someone goes into politics and becomes a multi millionaire, but we complain about someone that became a billionaire that goes into politics and gives away his, his uh, income, his salary. You should be very cautious of people that have never done anything to produce money and goes into a system that is to serve humanity based on a certain amount of pay, and somehow they become multimillionaires. I have no problem with politicians becoming multimillionaires, billionaires, trillionaires. I could care less as long as they're doing it in a way that is a business that feeds society in a moral integrity way. Like I said, the reason why they are serving somebody, they are serving somebody, but it's not in integrity. It's not moral what they're doing. You understand that? The reason why you have any money at all is because you serve somebody. And if you stop serving money, people, guess what happens to your money? You lose it. Because some of you are thinking, well, how about all those, those rich people that just um, were born into a family and they inherited their money? You think their money is just sitting around doing nothing? If it was sitting around doing nothing, they'd, they'd lose their money. It's true. So the reason why I don't have as much money as, as, as Bill Gates or Jeffy is because I don't provide as much value. I haven't served humanity as much as they have. Do you know why we have an opportunity to contribute to a kingdom that will have no end? It's because we've been put on this earth to have a kingdom worldview. And you get, to, you get to contribute to a kingdom that has no end. In Luke chapter 32, verse 33, there's a prophecy of Jesus that says, He will be great. 
He will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So are you wanting to be a business owner, or are you wanting to be a kingdom business owner? Are you building your kingdom, or are you going to choose to build a kingdom in which there is no end? It all starts with you choosing to live your life based on Jesus' values and his leadership. A kingdom business owner believes God's ways, his values, his principles, his way of conducting life are right and true, that his way is the best way. The goal of a kingdom business owner is for God's authority, his leadership, his values to infiltrate society. Sounds like the ecclesia, doesn't it? Can I have the worship team come up? This morning, as a kingdom business owner, and you're a business owner if you, if, if, if you provide rentals to, to people to live in, if, if you have um, a, a traditional business, if, you know, there's, lots of way, there's lots of ways to be a business owner. If you're providing service to society, if you're a business owner, your business can be your most powerful platform to build a better world. Your business can be the prime vehicle to follow Jesus. Your business can be your highest expression of ministry and your missional service to the world. Your business can actually be building the church that Jesus originally designed to transform the world. Your business can be the most, effect, be the most effective tool to build God's kingdom infiltrating the world with God's good leadership values. Your business and your life can be supercharged by faith in the power of God who has ultimate resources to help you accomplish world-changing visions. If you're a business owner this morning or you feel that God has put it on your heart that you might not even know what the business is, but you, but you feel that God's calling you to be a, a business owner, to be a kingdom business owner. If you're a business owner this morning, if, 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 you, if you do things that, that, that provide a service for somebody and they give you a certificate, I, 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 I'd like you to stand this morning. We're going to pray for you. If you feel that God's put it on your heart to be a business owner, stand. We're going to pray for you. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace that is upon these business owners and future business owners. We thank you that you've anointed them and you've equipped them just like you do the prophet, the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. You've anointed them to bless society with their goods and with their services. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that as they bow their knee to the CEO, Jesus Christ, that provision would flood in to their businesses. As they see themselves as more than just a business owner, but as a pastor, as a, as a minister of the gospel, as a world changer, someone that is creating and molding society, I ask that, ask that you would give them wisdom and ideas to see past what they have to do today, but to have a vision for tomorrow. That they would see themselves pastoring their employees, pastoring their customers, pastoring their suppliers. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that you would give awakening to the church at large, the church universal, of how we can partner with kingdom businesses to build lasting, lasting change in our communities. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that grace and provision is falling like rain upon these people. And we thank you for them. We thank you for them, for being willing to take the risk, the, the willing to sacrifice, and the willingness to serve humanity. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.